Hello, everybody, and welcome to Blizzard Watch, the podcast where we talk about Blizzard Entertainment and its many games, because that's the point of the podcast. I just, I know it's a tautology, I'm sorry. Uh, I'm Matt, I'm the host. With this week is my fantastic co-host, Anne. Anne, how you been this week? Pretty Let's good. talk about how your week has been. <laughs> <laughs> Probably better than yours. Um, I... I am still trying to get that stupid music box out of that Paragon chest for Proudmore Admiralty, and it is painful. <laughs> it's it's the first time I've had a really, like, a difficult time with any of the Paragon boxes. Like, the ones in Legion, some of them took a while, but eventually I got them all, right? And I got them all before the expansion was over with. With the ones in battle for Azeroth on the Alliance side anyway. Um, I haven't done a lot of it on the Horde side because I haven't really been stressing so much about grinding rep on the Horde side as I did on Alliance side. Um, However, it... Like, all of them except for that one. Except for that one. I got within a matter of weeks. All of the toys, everything that was offered, all the special stuff that you could get out of there was all within a matter of weeks. And that stupid music box, that's the one that I wanted. Like, the second they announce it, I'm like, I need that music box. And I still haven't been able to get it. So I'm just going to keep trying because that's all you can do is keep trying. But, yeah, um, beyond that, I saw Detective Pikachu yesterday, which I wrote, like, a little review for the website for. um, It's just, like, a little off-topic review. So you can go check that out if you want. No spoilers because, you know, no spoilers. But, I mean... It's a Pokemon movie. It's not like it's super complex. So, you know. Uh, give us one sentence. Up, down, yes, no. What What do you think? If you have ever played Pokemon and really liked Pokemon, or like watched the cartoon and really liked the cartoon, um, you should go see this. Because it's, it's, it's a movie that was designed for kids. It reads as a movie that was designed for kids. The plot is about as complex as any of your Pokemon movies that are out there, the animated movies that are out there, or even the games. It's, you know, it plays about that complicated. But the movie feels like a love letter to anybody that's ever played and loved Pokemon. And it's just, it's kind of, it was a joy to watch. It was really nice to kind of check out of the real world for a while and sort of immerse myself in, like, happy memories of playing on, you know, the Game Boy and the 3DS and all that other stuff. Okay, cool. That was more uh, than a couple of words. I'm so sorry. Anyway. <laughs> it was it it is was the review we needed. If yeah. not the one we, we do whatever, Batman thing. I don't know. I there have uh, been some there have been some bad reviews for it, and I feel like every bad review I've seen is from somebody who either A doesn't understand what Pokemon is, which how do you exist and not know? I mean, it's been around for how long now? A long time. At least Um, almost 30 years. Or somebody that's like, never played it. You know, just never played it. They've heard of it, but they've never played it. So they don't get it. They just don't get what's appealing about it because it's never been appealing to them. So when they write the movie review, the movie's not appealing to them. Well, of course it's not going to be, you know, it's not a subject that you're thrilled about. Okay, whatever. But yeah, if you like Pokemon, go see it. It's great. Ryan Reynolds is fantastic. Uh, Justice Smith, I was really impressed with him, too. He was great. So, yeah. Alrighty. Um, okay, I'm trying to think of like anything else we should talk about before we just jump straight into top stories, but I can't because I'm tired. So let's talk about top <laughs> stories. Okay. Um, 
Let's first off talk about BlizzCon. Um, I don't remember if we actually talked about BlizzCon last week, but tickets have we gone talked, on sale this yeah, week. Yeah, we talked um, about it because the tickets were going to be going on sale. But yeah, yeah. Um, tickets have already been sold now. Yeah. Um, so if you're going, cool. Um, if you got your tickets, yay. Um, however, there's a bit of a controversy about the way people are getting tickets this year. Um, this year... Blizzard is, is working with um, AXS. I'm not entirely sure who they are, but they have an app that they use to sell tickets. It's basically similar to if you have like your... I have a ticket app on my cell phone for uh, the local movie theater. Fandango. It's, well, it's not Fandango, but it's I got similar. Fandango. It's I got basically Fandango that and I got one thing. for Regal, too. So. Yeah. <laughs> and it's it's roughly the same kind of thing where you basically get your ticket through the app and then the ticket is in, there in your phone. And you're expected to bring your phone with you when you check into BlizzCon, and you know they'll scan it from the phone. You do not so get a printed there's, ticket this year. Yeah, there's no printed ticket. Um, you just have it in the app. Uh, and some people are upset about that for a lot. Of, there's different reasons. One of the reasons being that people don't like change. I'm one of those people, so I, I feel you. Um, there's also people who don't like that the app essentially asks for a multitude of permissions, um, and it does. Uh, if you are upset about that. I understand that too because it's true. The, the app does ask for a ton of permissions. The thing is, is that um, from like I, w- I went through and looked at a couple of different Reddit threads and talked to people. I talked to like one person I know up here who actually does app development, and uh, basically, yes, this app asks for a lot of permissions, but it doesn't ask for more permissions than say Twitter or YouTube, both of which ask for the same permissions. Uh, you can also tell the app no, I was and the app say, will still work. It, it yeah. you can. It asks you for permission. If you don't give it permission, the app will still work. You're yeah, fine. You still have your, you'll, you'll still, have you'll your still be able to get your ticket and get in. You're yeah. fine. You yeah. don't have to give it now, permission to do anything. Now, it's, I get why people are upset, and I, I agree that it's not great when companies use apps like this to scrape a ton of data out of your phone and then do whatever they want with it, including, you know, sell it to other people or use it to target you. I get you on that. I understand why you don't like that. But if you've, it's not like Blizzard is doing anything unusual here. They're not, this is not spyware that Blizzard is setting up so that they can scrape your phone mercilessly. ha This is what almost every company with an app does. And if you've got an app on your phone from anybody, and I'm positive that you do, they're doing this. This is the same kind of stuff. Why is it? Why does it ask for access to your camera? A lot of apps do. Why does it ask for access to your contents? Contacts. A lot of apps do. Uh, why do they need it? For, I have no idea. I straight up am not an app developer, but it is not unusual for Blizzard to be doing this. Uh, I don't think I, I have a single app in my phone that asks me for access to my contacts where I actually gave it access to my contacts. Yeah, that's the thing. You just tell it no. You, yeah. you tell you tell the phone no, you can't have access to that. I've told my phone's con- Twitter is constantly asking me for access to things. And I'm like, no, you can't have access to anything, Twitter. <laughs> All I want you to do is let me post cat pictures. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> you don't need to know where I am. You don't need to know who I know. All you need to do is when I tell you to take that picture of a cat and put it on the internet, you need to do that. That's it. That's what I have you on my phone for. Actually, I took Twitter off my phone. I still have it on my iPad. Um, Quite frankly, Twitter on my phone was meaning I could never get away from the internet. And I was like, I was starting to feel sick. (laughs) Like, Okay, no, I need a a break. I have it on my phone, but I barely look at it. Regardless, though, I, you know, I know people are kind of like, 
why'd they go with a new ticketing thing? Why'd they do this other thing? Da, 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 da. The thing is, is like, I've been going to BlizzCon in one form or another. I think the first BlizzCon I went to was like in 2010. Um, and it was an entirely different ticket provider. I think they've gone through like three different ticket providers since then. Yeah, and it's never been a happy experience for anybody. It's never. It's always had its. It's always had its problems. Um, always. This one, I mean, I don't know how to feel about access. I don't. I don't know how it works or anything like that. What I do appreciate is the reason that they're using it. And the fact that they're moving away from print tickets. Because the moment you move away from print tickets, it gets a lot harder for people to buy a bunch of tickets and then sell them on eBay. And I think that's what they're trying to get away from, is they're trying to get away from people scalping tickets and make sure that the people that buy the tickets are people that are buying them with the intent to go themselves and go to this event. Um, yeah, it, it it gets rid of scalping, and mm-hmm. it means that if you are if you are buying tickets, say for a guildmate or whatever, there's there's a functionality built into the add on into the app where you can just transfer the tickets to somebody else. Yeah. So that's and it's there. really easy. Um, it's really easy to do it that way. But since eBay, I think eBay, you have to like sell a physical product if you list anything on eBay. I don't know. It's been a long time since I've like done anything with eBay, but. From what I understand and what I remember of eBay, you can't sell, you can't auction off a digital product on eBay. That's like against the, the terms of service. So, and and I haven't looked on eBay to see if anybody is trying to scalp these tickets anywhere. But I see what Blizzard is doing and I appreciate what they're doing because this has been a problem since, like I said, my first BlizzCon was like back in 2010. It's always been a problem. You get yeah, people yeah, that'll, absolutely. you know, hop the line, get in there real quick, and they'll buy as many tickets as they possibly can. And then immediately afterwards, you'd see them listed up on eBay for like hundreds and hundreds of dollars more. And it's stupid. <laughs> it's just stupid. And, and so, I mean, yeah. it's like this with any kind of event. BlizzCon is no exception. People want to go. They're going to pay whatever they need to pay to go. So, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I don't. I mean, I kind of get the whole backlash to the app thing because there are people who are kind of upset about the fact that you have to have a phone to get in. Oh, yeah. And that's absolutely understandable. I, I think at this point, you know, it's we're getting to the point where phones are less than a luxury item where people try to portray them as more like a necessity. a necessity. Yeah. But the yeah, thing is, I get, is like, I get that you don't like, if you're upset about that, I totally understand because well, it and is I believe, not a cheap thing. I believe on the website too. I believe on the website, there was something in there that said, if you couldn't, for some reason, access your app or get to it, there was a separate place where you could line up. But they want to do it with the app. And I think the reason they want to do it with the app is because the app is really easy. It's just blip, blip, boop, you through the line. So you don't have people that are standing there waiting for hours and hours and hours and hours, and they can actually get through the whole ticket access thing, pick up the goodie bag, pick up the whatever you're getting. It's not really a goodie bag this year. They're just doing the statues. It's a statue. Yeah. Yeah, It's it's a statue this year. Anyway, you could get, you could get access to all of your stuff quickly. Yeah, it's, um, if you, again, it's if you've been to a movie and you've used like anything like like you mentioned Fandango, mm-hmm. the app I have on my phone. We just you you have the ticket thing ready to go. They scan it and you go in. 
That's that's what they're trying for. They're trying for that ease of moving the yeah, line. Yeah, with Fandango, because... they send you a barcode. You walk in and you blip the barcode on the thing, and then you go watch a movie. <laughs> yeah, it's the theater up here. They, there's a person with a like a little laser gun who scans your phone, but it's the same basic thing. Like you yeah. scan it, you go in. So. They're trying for that, and I understand it. I, I do also understand the objections. I understand people who are like, you know, I don't want companies having my data. That's I get you, and I understand what you're saying. But th- this is a, that's a broader conversation than this BlizzCon. Uh, if you don't want companies having your data, you have to talk to a lot of companies because your data is out there. Boy, um, oh boy. It, yeah. yeah, it's, it's and, there. <laughs> it's it, just out there. So... <laughs> But yeah, we should probably move on to the next question because the next one's actually kind of interesting. Yeah. Um, people are talking about, you know, when are we actually getting patch 8.2? Because right now 8.2 is like in full force on the BTR. Yeah, it um, is. They're and... testing the Ashara's Eternal Palace as four encounters testing today, I think. Yeah, I think four, four encounters are testing today. Yeah. Okay. Four out of um... eight are being tested today on heroic difficulty. Yeah, and a lot of people were talking about the whole... Uh... Mother saying it would take 77 cycles to, to get a thing done. And yeah. and they figured, oh, okay, so when the 77 is up, okay, then it's going to be like the whole 77 days from the last patch. It's not going to be that. I don't think it's going to be that because that would put it out at the end of this month. And I don't think we're there. I no, don't. no, they're still, they're still testing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I expect that. I expect we'll get an announcement of the date by the end of this month. That's my current thinking is by the end of May, we'll know. Maybe at the 77 days, they'll give us a release date. I think there's going to be something, but I don't think. And also keep in mind, uh, there was a really cool interview with John. He, um, he's the, uh, he's currently one of the big names on world of Warcraft. I can't remember his current title, but Mm. uh, he's, he is, I think he's a vice president in charge of world of Warcraft, but he's, um, he was doing an interview with Eurogamer and he talked about how they're trying to, you know, they're, they've been trying to do throughout this expansion. The, uh, they release the patch, but they don't release everything from the patch the day the patch drops. They, they backstop it. Is what it's kind of like a trickle it. release. Yeah. And he talked about how that's the, that's the thing going forward that they, they, he thinks it's better for the, the health of the game and for the players. So when this drops, when we get 8.2, we are not getting Ashara's Eternal Palace that that same time. That that's going to be staggered. That's coming out later. So we'll we'll get the world zones, and then we'll start seeing. We'll probably get Mechagon the the dungeon right away because it's a it's a five player dungeon. Even though it's a mega dungeon, it's a big dungeon. It's still a five. No, I'm pretty sure they're going to throw us the mega dungeon like right off the bat and give people yeah. a few weeks of playing with that and going into that and exploring that before they hit us with Ashara. Yeah, the Ashara Eternal Palace is definitely going to be a staggered release. So, but but we right now we don't know when 8.2 is coming out. Um, my like my said, my speculation is we're going to find out at the end of May. I'm going to go for June. I think end of June we're going to see 8.2 drop. But what do you think, Ann? What's your what's your guess? I'm thinking, you know, I'm thinking probably the beginning of July. Either that or we're going to see it like mid-June and then the raid is going to come out beginning of July. Because the thing is, is like, um, oh gosh, which one is it? I think Final Fantasy. Yeah, Final Fantasy. They've got like an expansion that's coming out on July 2nd. Ooh, okay, yeah. Some yeah. classic Blizzard counter-programming. Gotcha. Yeah. So wow, I fig- that takes I, me back. Yeah, so I figure, well, either they're going to drop the patch then or they'll drop the patch mid-June and then they'll come out with the raid on the 2nd. 
Um, I think since you said that, I think that's going to be the patch because I don't think the raid will be out that fast. I think they they want the raid to take longer to come out. Yeah. So I'm gonna I'm gonna switch. I think you're right. I think that makes sense. Well, the thing is, is I'll like still if stay they with open me that, for my prediction, but if yeah. they open the raid in July, it would be about six months after the previous tier, which is kind of what they were doing throughout Legion, right? Yeah, but that doesn't count the uh, the the something of storms, which I can't remember off the top of my head. Mm, crucible, crucible of storms. storms. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, it doesn't quite bring that in. Well, but Crucible of Storms is like a little raid. It's not really its own tier yeah. or anything. It's, it's just still kind of it's... it's still content that they could you know use to say okay we had this there so we do this then. Yeah. I, I don't think. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. We'll but I'm see. still thinking. I'm still thinking either the patch on July second or the patch slightly before that and then the raid. I, I feel like they're gonna do something on July second. Because right. they yeah. do that. You know they do that. It's just a oh, yeah, no, thing I'd... that they do. <laughs> it's been so long since anybody has been a competitor to World of Warcraft. Yeah. A significant one that I'd forgotten that they do it. Like, oh, yeah. They used to do it all the time. Like, back when there were lots of MMOs trying to come up here. Oh, with Wild? Yeah, Sorry, they, they did it all the time. And with, like... <laughs> yeah. There were a lot of games oh, yeah. where they did it. They did it all the time with it. But, yeah, yeah I, I just... I figure the timing is about right, too. Like, it all kind of lines up. All the ducks kind of line up in a row. You know what I mean? Oh, that makes sense, yeah. I, I, I'm i still sticking with May just because I, I said it, so I'm sticking with it. But that's you, you've got that's definitely a point to consider. That May or June, because we're in May. Yeah, I'm thinking the announcement will be at the end of May. Oh, yeah. And the actual patch will drop in June. Okay. But I definitely think July is also a contender. So yeah. Like, really early okay. July, yeah. But that 8.2 is currently being heavily tested. There's lots of spoilers out there, so be careful. But there's lots of information about the PTR. If you want to um, check it out on the PTR, you can hop on the PTR right now and check it out. And let me tell you, it is it is great. It is. There's a lot. Um, I would say, I, mean, I, I haven't, haven't been to Mechagon. Yeah, I haven't poked around Mechagon as much. Um, I, I've been there a little bit but I haven't done a ton of poking around. Nazdratar though is just I mean you get to walk through the ruins of Zinashari and that's like a big deal for people that are super into lore. I mean that's where it all went like the war of the ancients and everything. It, it all went down there and the fact that we're running around areas where major characters in the game right now grew up and and that's acknowledged too. Like there are there are quests out there that, with night elves where they're like, "Hey, can you help me check out this kind of thing or look at this other thing?" It, it's I'm not going to give away too many spoilers because I don't want to give away too many spoilers. But it's it's an experience and it's it's beautiful. And I've been waiting for this forever, so I'm so yeah. excited. I'm I just I, I can't say... wait for this to hit live servers. <laughs> would, you, would you say it's about like two thirds the size of Argus? It's Just big. Azatar? Yeah, it's big. Um, I would Azatar say... is like, Argus was broken into three zones. I yeah. would say Nastatar as a zone is as big as almost two of them. Yeah, it's, it's pretty it's sizable. It's a large zone. It's pretty sizable. And the other thing that I found kind of interesting is um, when you bump into Nastatar on the PTR right now, you're kind of in the middle of everything. You don't get to play through the stuff that leads up into it which makes me think that there's something really interesting that happens leading up into it that they're not, they didn't put it out there because they don't want any leaks out there. And I'm like, I want to know what it is. How did we get there? What happened? Mm. So yeah, I yeah. can't wait for this to pop out whenever it does. 
yeah, it's going to be interesting to see that happen. Um, I, I'm, I, there's stuff that I've been waiting. There's certain characters that I've been like cheerleading for, like I guess since WoW came out, who finally get some story development, which has really been something I've wanted for them for a very long time. So, but um, okay, let, what else should we talk about? We should probably move on to Diablo three because um, season seventeen is next week. It's on the seventeenth. Yeah, I, they finally came know, out with a release date for it. Yay! They're putting it out on the seventeenth. So you know, there you go. Season seventeen on the seventeenth. Um, if you can basically, it, they're not, they're stopping the, uh, season, but not the, right now. Season 16 is still rolling. You can still play. I think it is up until about this weekend. Is and, it? Okay. Uh, I wasn't sure. Cause they usually flip the switch on one and there's a little delay before they, yeah, usually they do. I don't okay. know that they're doing it this time because as I said, the season 16 is still rolling right now. I've, I've been, I played it last night. Um, so, but yeah, and season 17 is next week. That's the, uh. The new season, the season of nightmares, where you get the uh, set bonus built baked into all seasonal characters. That for every ancient legendary piece you have, you get a seventy-five percent damage buff and a four percent damage taken buff. Like you, you take four percent less damage and you deal seventy-five percent more damage. Um, I think that's right. Uh, I can't remember the exact math right now. It might be seven hundred fifty percent. Yeah, I think it is seven hundred fifty percent. Sorry. Uh, it's a crazy number. It's it, just it basically a crazy what ends number. up happening is. <laughs> what ends up happening is you get that buff as long as you don't have any set bonuses. Yeah. So you'll eventually get to a point where, you know, for instance, the character I'm on right now, I'm going to use this as an example because I'm on her. She has her full set bonus uh, for the Curious of the Wastes. It's it's the Waste set is a Barbarian set. The, the two sets, the two-piece set bonus just increases the damage per second of Rend, which is not that important to me. I don't care about that. But the four pieces, during Whirlwind and for three seconds after, you gain 50% damage reduction in your applied Rend's deal tri- triple damage. The, just that damage reduction by itself is worth it. I don't use Rend in this build, but the, just the damage reduction. And the 6% set bonus is Whirlwind gains the effects of the Dust Devil's Rune, and all Whirlwind damage is increased by 10,000%. That makes this build one where I spin around constantly. This is a Whirlwind build. Yeah. I, I do nothing but Whirlwind 95% of the time. But there will come a point where all those ancient... If I had nothing but ancient legendaries on... Like right now, this character is mostly wearing set pieces, but right there, this is my ancient legendary bracers. If I had nothing but ancient legendaries, um, eventually, I would hit a point where I would be doing more damage without that set bonus because everything would be hitting harder. And I would not have to be a whirlwind build. It would, be, it would do more damage to do something else or to be whirlwind, but to have other stuff I used more often because everything would be hitting harder. And I'd be taking enough less damage that the loss of the set bonus wouldn't matter. That's the kind of interesting meta play that this is going to lead to, but you have to get those ancient legendaries. That's the, the up and down side of this. It means that high level, if you're playing the season and you're at the point where you're running high level, you know, greater rifts and so forth, that's when you're going to start looking at it and going, okay, do I have enough legendaries yet? Do I, can I can I switch away from my set, or do I need to keep my set until I get more ancient legendaries? Where's my tipping point? Um, based on what my build is, based on set pieces I have, when do I you know switch from one to the other? That fascinates me, but it's definitely unique, and it's something they they did that like with the season of grandeur, which is the season that's just now ending, and they're doing it again with this season where there it's a more it's a it's a more meta season. It's not something as simple as the season agreed, which was just yeah. you get more stuff. 
it, it, it changes the way you play and the way you design and think about your character. I think I that's think it's kind of cool that they're following up Grandeur with this one, though. Like, they're going along that route because 16 was a super popular season. They kept it around mm-hmm. a little yep. bit longer for a reason because it was super popular. So I like I liked that they're sticking to this whole tactic of working it this way instead of just saying, oh, more stuff. More stuff is good. Don't get me wrong. I mean, yeah, I, it's Diablo. I, the season agreed was the season agreed is still one of my favorite seasons. Yeah. it was just like two treasure don't goblins. Me, ah! Yeah, don't get me wrong. It was fun. There were goblins all over the place. That was cool and everything. But it's kind of cool when you have an event that kind of switches up the dynamic of how the game works and how your character works in a significant yeah, I mean, way, where you kind of have to like compensate for it and look at it and really decide what you want to do with it. Yeah, it is something I find very interesting, and I'm looking forward to getting to play with it. Um, I'll admit that Season 16 wasn't a season I got into as much, but that was entirely because of life stuff. Um, it wasn't that I didn't want to play. I was still playing Diablo. It was just a question of, okay, I don't really have time to pursue this the way I want to. So I'm hoping Season 17 is next week. I'm hoping I'll get some time to really dig into it and see how I if I can get, you know, get my character leveled up fast enough to really dig into getting some ancient legendaries for it. Um they also, since they've added the new torment levels, you'll be able to increase your ancient legendary acquisition as you as you increase the torment levels and push your greater rifts higher and higher. So that's cool. Um, that's something that they're doing at the same time. Uh, we put a leveling guide on the site this week for people who want a faster level. There's some tips in there that won't work for season play um, because nobody's going to have a level 70 character next week, like on the 17th when the season drops. There's not going to be any level 70 characters in the season yet because everyone will be starting at zero. But there's still some stuff in there you can make use of if you start a season character. Um, the one that I always think in mind is if you want to get to max level fast, if you don't care about the story, go straight to adventure mode. Um, especially since the Hadrig's Gift, usually people don't skip straight to adventure mode in season play because they want to get the Hadrig's Gift, which you get for completing the acts in 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 the season. But this year, the Hadrick's gift is a set, as it always is. It's your set. If you're doing a season trying to get to the point where you have the the season of nightmares buff, and you're not you're looking for ancient legendaries instead of set pieces, that set's less important. You can always go back and do that. You don't have to rush through and get it right away. So that's interesting. That actually changes up. Okay, I just want to do adventure mode. Go ahead and just do adventure mode. Um, you don't have to worry that you're going to miss out on your, your Hadrix gift for a while because, okay, so what if you miss out on your Hadrix gift, if you get enough ancient legendaries, it won't matter. Uh, yep. So, I mean, still, that's, it's still there because you're not going to get enough ancient legendaries right away, but you know, it's fun. I'm actually sitting here thinking to myself, do I want to try monk for season 17? I've been trying a monk season 16. I, I like it. Monks are really fun. Here's my thing. I know, I can blaze to 70 real fast in a barbarian now. I know oh, how to yeah. do that. But I I don't know how to play a monk very well. <laughs> like I was playing last night and I was like, oh, they're, I can, really I can punch people from over here. Yeah. They're oh, they're really a, fun. Yeah. So I I'm I'm debating. Um the the classes I know I won't play are wizard and demon hunter and witch doctor. I know I won't play those. I have you a necromancer. Demon Hunter was the first class that I played, like when the game first came out, before they even, before Reaper of Souls, before they did the revamp, before they did anything else. The first thing I played was a Demon Hunter, and I kind of fell in love with the class then. And even when they did like all the revamps and everything else, I still really like that class. I don't know why. I just, I really like that class. 
I'll be up front. I know my wife's going to play a demon hunter. Oh, there you go. I'm not going to play a demon <laughs> hunter at the same time as her. <laughs> that's just that just no, that's not happening. So yeah, for me, the options are monk, uh, crusader or barbarian, but those are on the back burner. Cause I've got both of those to 70 in previous seasons. So we're looking at monk, um, possibly necromancer. And then I'm kind of like, that's basically it. Cause I don't want to play a witch doctor. I don't want to play a, a wizard and I don't want to play a demon hunter for, for, for different reasons. So it, it, you pretty much, my options are monk or necromancer for the top tier. And then you should maybe try out the necromancer. I, I have one, but they've you've yet to gel with me. And I feel like I've got a better synergy with the monk. Maybe this will uh, be the opportunity to kind of figure it out. I don't know. Every time I try to play a, a magic-y class, like they're too magic-y, I always end up stopping halfway through. And I don't want to do that. So I don't know. We'll see. I do have one. I, I gave her the name Corpse Witch. Uh, if you, nice. If you read her of webcomics, you'll understand why that's funny. Um, and uh, yeah, so I don't know. We'll see. But uh, yeah, that's enough for the Diablo, I guess. Um, one more. Yeah, I, I think oh, we should probably move on to Overwatch. Yeah, if you say... aren't aware, the escort map Havana. Well, Havana, the Havana map came out and it's available for competitive play on May 21st, but it's out now. So you can go ahead and play it. It is an escort map. Um, if you played through the Storm's Ri- the Storm Rising event, you'll recognize where all of this stuff is taking place. Um, it's a gorgeous map. I don't have you. Well, you don't really play Overwatch, do you? No, I do watch people play it, but I don't play it myself okay. because I I don't do team shootery stuff. It's a gorgeous map. I really love like the set design for it and everything. It's got like a bunch of pretty murals and things, and then the architecture looks really nice and everything. But... I just have to say this: that every time an Overwatch map comes out, I'm astonished at how, considering this is this is a map you're spending a lot of time, but you won't be paying a lot of attention because you'll be you know fighting in it. There's just so much detail, and it feels so real-world lived in, even though it's not a yeah. real-world place. I mean, Havana obviously is a real place, but this is not real Havana. It's it's it's, it's serving future, the purpose future of Havana. the game. Yeah, yeah, but it still feels like an actual place you could go to, and that always yeah. astonishes me. I, I just like how they nail it every time they do a location, and any time they do a location map, you really get the sense of oh yeah okay they they. These maps aren't, like, ridiculously complicated. And I know that we say, like, there's a bunch of little details and things like that. But, I mean, when you when you sit down and kind of look at it, it's not, I mean, it's not littered with the kind of detail that you'd find in maps in, I don't know. It's, it's not the level of environmental detail as a game like Skyrim or something like that, where there's, like, little bits and pieces and bibs and bobs all over the place. There's just enough here to give the idea of the place and everything feels very deliberate and important and I don't know I just I really like the maps anyway uh, Havana is an escort map which I mean it's an escort map <laughs> escorts are never really my favorite I don't know I kind of like the uh, I like the the other maps better but it's escorts right. are never fun in any game there's never I've never played a game where I had to escort something and I enjoyed it it's I never like, fun. Yeah, I like the assault maps and I like the control maps, but I mean, escort's okay. Escort's okay. It's just stay on the dang payload. Um, and I think that's where where it all falls apart. Um, people are better about it these days, though. Anyway, so that's available to play. Um, it'll be available for competitive play on the 21st. So in a few weeks, you'll be able to fire it up in competitive play. I don't know if we're going to see it in Overwatch League. I don't know. 
Hmm. Well, if it's not coming out until the 21st, I don't think we'll see it this season. Yeah, I don't know if we're going to see they're it this season well unless they, unless they bring it through. in like in stage four or something like that, like way later. Because usually when they play Overwatch League, the heroes that they're playing with and the places that they are playing, it's all it's like a couple patches back. They're, they're never playing with the immediate. And when there is a change in game where there's a map added or a hero added or something like that, you don't see them immediately in Overwatch League because they're doing their own thing. So I'm kind of interested to see if this actually makes an appearance before this this year's season is done or not. I kind of hope it does. It's a really pretty map. I mean, like I said, I'm not a huge fan of escort maps, but it's a really pretty map. I wouldn't mind seeing it, you know, utilized in Overwatch League at some point. Okay. But that's um, it for Overwatch, really. <laughs> like, I, this one this one is mostly just here because I know we probably have things to say about it. Uh, we, we did a post based on a post on WoWhead about WoW, about Rathion in Patch 8.2. Um, he, without spoiling anything, he is obviously doing stuff you don't see him you see people working for him but it's an expansion of the if you got the uh the unblemished dragon black scale in uh on an island expedition you could turn that into black talent agents that's in the game right now that's live that's not a surprise you got a black wing lair and there's a there's like a couple of people sitting out you talk to them you don't see rathagon anywhere he's just mentioned in passing well in 8.2 those guys are out doing more stuff in the world so, yeah, they, there's definitely more of Rathion's influence, but not Rathion himself. You don't see him, but you see his agents, which I thought was interesting, and I wanted to hear what you'd have to say about it, man. So there it is. It's very reminiscent of, um, you remember in Mists of Pandaria when you were wandering around and stuff, every once in a while you'd find a Black Talon agent on the road somewhere. Like, they'd be patrolling, and if you go to talk to them, they're like, yeah, I got no business with you or whatever. And then every now and again, you'd find a spot where they were doing stuff there was a place in um oh my gosh i can't remember the name of the zone the one with Looking your farm the, the veil of eternal blossoms no the one with your farm half hill. the half hill oh not half hill but yeah. the zone what the heck is yeah, the zone called i can't remember the zone name either I, I call <laughs> i'm like completely blanking i'm like i know it's half hill there's the farm all this other stuff. what the heck is the name of that zone anyway um in that in that zone, however, there is a spot where if you go up the hill towards one of the little waterfalls on your way doing one of the quests, you'll run into a couple of Black Talon agents who are having a quiet conversation about the water and kind of, you know, give some offhand references to Rathion. And the same thing did happen in the Vale of Eternal Blossoms um, before it went kaboom. There was uh, a pair of Black Talon agents that came out and they were doing surveys and they were talking about what was going on and they never really said anything like too outright. It was just like little hints of things. This feels like that where there's little agents like they're they're not actively doing things. They're just kind of observing and seeing what's going on and I I mean you know me I'm like a big fan of Rathion. I thought he was great. I I've loved him ever since. Well, ever since he was introducing Cataclysm, that rogue legendary quest chain was the coolest part of Cataclysm for me. I loved the little dude, and I was so happy when he came back in Mists of Pandaria, and I've been waiting and waiting for him to come back again. So anytime there's little hints of him doing things, I immediately want to know more. So yeah, he hasn't been spotted anywhere. Don't don't get your hopes up on that front. He hasn't been spotted anywhere, but it's kind of interesting where these people show up, and it makes you wonder 
what they're there for. Because they were there in the Vale of Eternal Blossoms and they were there in the Valley of the Four Winds. Ha, I remember the name of the zone. <laughs> they were there for a particular purpose. So they're there for a purpose this time around too. We just don't know what it is. But they wouldn't stick them in there unless they were planning on doing something with Rathion. So I'm really excited. Please, 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 Blizzard, don't make him a villain we go punch in a raid because that would just annoy me. <laughs> like, at this point, he's like... He's a, such he's a like, good character. <laughs> Come on. Also, at this point, he's like, what, 10? Not even. He was born in Cataclysm. He so, was he was like, two in Mists of Pandaria. That's a long he's time like, ago. He's no, it's it, it is, but it isn't because Miss of Pandaria. He was two at the end of Miss of Pandaria, and then Warlords of Draenor was technically a year. Legion was technically a year, so he's like four or five now. That's it. He's still a quote unquote kid, but not really because it's a dragon. And he's still a dragon whelp when he turned like because his dragon form was still a whelp in Pandaria. It was. I don't know if it's changed. Like if he's still if he's still a whelp, I do not want to go to a raid where I'm punching a whelp. Okay, that's just not. I'm wondering no. if he got like a little bit bigger now. Like what does he look like? He's now? a drake uh, or something. I just I want to know. I want to know. Come on, I want to see him. Anyway. If he doesn't feature in this expansion, I'm hoping that this is kind of like leading up to, oh, hey, he might show up next expansion. And I'd be totally cool with that. I'd be down with that. Yes, please. Thank you. I'm just going to leave uh, it there because I could talk about Rathion for hours and we don't have hours. Yes, that's true. All right. Well, that's pretty much top stories for the week. It's been an interesting week. But uh, if we're going to move on to emails now. So if you've got an email for the show, uh, please send it to podcast at blizzardwatch.com with the subject line podcast or Blizzard Watch, so we know it's for the show. Uh, Anne reads them for us, so we're going to let her take over now, if you don't mind, Anne. Okay, first email is from Concerta from Ravencrest, who says, Hey guys, I know you both do a lot of old raids for completion, achievements, and transmog. Yes, we do. I have been trying and striking out to do Hellfire Citadel, even though I can smash other Warlords of Draenor raids and some Legion. Specifically, I can't even get past the first boss. Now, I've tried lowering the difficulty to Heroic or Regular and still can't seem to manage it. Back in the day, you could do one boss on one difficulty and then change it for the next boss. Not sure if you could still do that, though. Also, honestly, I'm not that great of a player either, which is one reason why I wait to do things two expansions later. I don't have an active guild or people that match my playtime, so grouping is out of the question. Any advice or tips you can give? TLDR, how do you solo Mythic Hellfire Citadel? Thanks, Concerta. Um, I'm going to have to give you some bad news here, Concerta. Yeah. It's physically impossible to solo the first boss in Hellfire Citadel on Mythic. Um, in fact, it's very, very hard to do it on Heroic, uh, if not impossible. Uh, I have yet to do it on Mythic without someone else there because the space is so huge and there's multiple, like if either one of those two things dies, it's pretty much game over. The things you're preparing to protect, the cannons that you use to blow up. Uh, I don't even know what you're using the cannons on anymore. It's been so long since I actually paid attention to what we were doing in that range. The front door. But yeah, if you lose either one of those cannons, it's basically game over. And you can't protect both sides. The space is too big. You'll just by the time even you kill with a them, pet class, you can't yeah. really do it. Even even if you have no. like a hunter and you send your pet on one side and you're covering it, no, no, it, it just you can't keep work. up. You just can't keep up. And I think that's the space is too big. Yeah, 
I and even with like speed bonuses and things like that I mean I do it on my rogue with like sprint and things like that and I still have a tough time on normal with that I, yeah. I can't do it on heroic there's just no way to do it on heroic even though I kill these things in two seconds it's getting to them mm-hmm. that's the yeah. issue even if you're like a ranged class, because um, uh, I've had friends who are like playing, you know, uh, mages or moonkin druids or what have you, the amount of the space that you have to travel, even if you're blinking across to, to zap people, it just, you will eventually be on one side and the other side will spawn and you won't get there in time. It's just that simple. You they need, need to correct else it. To and it. I think the way that they need to correct it, maybe the way to correct it is to scale the health of the cannons to the player's health. Yeah, that would be that would make it. So if doable. you're coming in super OP, those cannons are also super OP. So you've got extra time to get. Yeah, if if to the make cannons didn't go down, yeah, right now the cannons go down so fast. If you miss even one wave and they get up there, the cannon's it's, gone. It's gone. And, yeah, and that's the other possibility would be to let you just protect one cannon. If I only had to keep one cannon up, it wouldn't be an issue. Um, I could blow up everything. I could kill the thing that drops the ammo. I could get that cannon to fire. And it would take longer, but I could do it. But right now, if one cannon goes down, it's over. I just, and... I feel like if they scaled the cannons to the player's eye level or the player's health, that would, it'd be okay. Because yeah. if you went in there at a lower level, it would still be difficult. But if you go in there and you seriously outgear the whole zone, then you could take care of it. You know what I mean? Yeah, if you can get someone to come in and help you with just that fight, like that's the only thing you need. Pretty much everything else is the quite solo. The rest of so it is easy. The rest of it is fine. Um, Grand Nagus in the chat channel said, "Scale them like we have the vehicles in Ulduar. Scale with eye level." And yeah, that's what I mean. Is something like that because when you go into Ulduar right now and you hop in a vehicle, it assumes like your health, um, which is just massive at this point, even with the whole squish and everything so you don't really have a problem in Ulduar. I feel like they need to apply the same concept to Hellfire Citadel and I don't know why they haven't done it yet um, it's two expansions ago they, I think they, a lot of times they just it. plain don't yeah. I feel like a lot of times they just plain don't think about stuff from older expansions that way they, they move forward and that's their main goal but unfortunately it means it leads to stuff like this it, where it'd that, be nice that if they could fight... just flip a switch do yeah. something that that fight is unfortunately it is not soloable it's not the only one in that raid that's weird and hard to do um gorfiend is still a pain in the butt because he can if it's just you soloing him it's actually easier if you go in with two people and do gorfiend then he can bug out and send everybody away and and reset the whole fight and you have yeah. to like do it all over again it's actually better to do gorfiend with one person um, if you if you and, and I some think friends... in um, in uh, Blackrock Foundry, Hans and Franz is still a little difficult to solo a little bit. It's you can you can do it if you just destroy them. Like, it can, it, it I, can I, bug I've... out though. It can bug out. Oh yeah, it absolutely can. Yeah, I've I've had situations where it's actually better for me to do it on my death night because I can yeah. summon the army of the dead and just jump on them and they can target the army. Yeah, if you're a pet, and class, I have you're my ghoul. Yeah. yeah. But, but yeah, it's, there's some wonky stuff for soloing in, in Warlords, but by far the worst fight is Mythic Hellfire. And I don't have, I, I can't think of anything that you could do as a solo player to get Maybe put something you. up on the group finder that says, hey, I'm going to, I want to fight this. See if you can get somebody to hop in there with you. Yeah. For I, transmog I, farm I feel, or whatever. 
I feel bad because you, the, the non-active guild or people that match your play style, that's unfortunate because if you can get one other person to do it, it is not hard. Um, once you've got somebody go, else. Yeah, they don't need to go through the whole raid with you either. It's just that fight. It's it's seriously, yep. it's just that fight. The rest of it, go go ham. You're fine. If anything, it's easier <laughs> to do most of the rest of it on with one character. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, there's... I Sorry. wish I had better news. Yeah, Sorry. Okay. Unfortunately, uh, that's the way it is. Our next email has... There's three questions here, and they're pretty quick questions. So we'll just go through them one at a time, if that's okay with you. Sure. Yeah. Okay, this is from Balak of Dragon Blight. I hope I pronounced your name right. Who says, Watchers, three short questions for you. First, where is the Vindicar after Legion? Up in orbit. Mm-hmm. I think it's still just in space. Yeah? I don't yeah, think they floating, brought it it's down. It's above Azeroth. It's, it might be above Stormwind. I don't know. I know that there's a teleporter from it to Stormwind. It's just being a satellite right now. Yeah. It's just floating on up there. Um, second question. Have there been any story reasons why the Vindicar and its ginormous gun have not been used in the war yet? They have not mentioned it at all. I there's think... no discussion of the Vindicar... Uh, whether it even still has that gun, if the gun got used up. Cause remember, they, they ripped that gun off of another ship and put it on the Vindicar. And that they, gun was not originally Vindicar. They used that gun to blow open the door to, um, oh my gosh, what's the name of that? Taurus. Antorus. Antorus, yeah. Burning Throne. They used the gun to blow that door open. And, I mean, it might have been one of those situations where it burned the gun out to do that. I don't know. No, it's literally just never been. No one said anything. Yeah, it's nobody just, said anything. It's one about of those it. things no one said anything about. I mean, like I said, if they burn it out when they blew open the door of Antorus, that would explain things. I think the other thing to kind of look at too, though, is are the light forged? How invested are they in smashing the horde? And then I and then, but see, even then, I'm like, well, are they really invested in that? And then I look back at the lead up to Battle for Dazara Lore. And, and the whole alliance attack and you have one of the light forged Jirnai who's like actively leading out there and willing to sacrifice his life for all of this other stuff you know what I mean so it's uh, like well you, well they are the involved horde, you know <laughs> if the horde do an invasion if you're a horde player and you're doing um, I think it's Bar- it's uh, not Boralus uh, oh bloody heck um, the zone with the witchy people Nazmir Drusvar oh no, no Drusvar excuse me it, yeah if you're doing Dressvar, um, the, the Lightforged are there in presence. There's a lot of them. And they're using Lightforged technology to um, protect the uh, the Alliance bases around Dressvar. Yeah. Which to me says that if the cannon was working, they'd be willing to use it. But it might be a situation where they don't... The, the Vindicar is their home now. Yeah. Even the Lightforged that, that are working with the Alliance are not the original Draenei that came to... Um, Azeroth with Velen. These are whole. These are the new guys. These are the people that were fighting the war with the Legion for you know untold thousands of years. This is the only home they've got. They don't have like like remember they had that big ship with that they were flying around the Zen. Was it the Zenadar? Yeah. Yeah. They had the Zenadar for eons. That's gone now. All they've got is the Vindicar. They might be reluctant to use it because they don't want to risk it. It's. If they bring that thing down and start shooting, I mean, when they did that in Antorus, they were doing that because they didn't have a choice and they were on the front line of a vast war with demons. They were trying to get out of that situation. They might not be interested in bringing that ship in just yet. 
I feel like I feel like that gun must have been burned out though. I feel like it does, because it does feel like a situation where you know the Light Force if they, haven't if they really it. shown any reticence whatsoever towards participating in the war between Alliance and Horde. They haven't. No, they haven't. The, they have all not. of the they... events that play out in Nazmir, there's like one of the named I forget his name, but one of the named Light Forged from when you were on Argus. The he's, guy with the sword. Yeah, he's there, and he kind of he sacrifices himself in honorable for combat a sneak attack. To, for a sneak attack for all this other stuff, just so that everything goes according to plan. And he knows going in that he's not going to come out of it alive, and he's yeah, okay he's, with it. If you're doing an alliance side, you're doing the campaign on the alliance. He straight up tells you, "Yeah, I'm down with this," and you're like, "You're they're like, you're aware this is going to be." a suicide attack we can't support you and he's like yeah this has to look like fine he's like yes that's fine so yeah they're i think if they have the giant gun hands right they would probably use it so it's probably either burned out or something along those lines yeah it it had a limited amount of use and they've used it well it's sort of like the exodar i mean there was all that talk about oh they were repairing the exodar repairing 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 and then that short story came out where velen like said oh hey it's it it was the Velen short story, and they said the Exodar has been repaired. Have we seen anything about that reflected in game? No. The Vindicar came from it. We got the Vindicar out of that, but beyond that, the Exodar itself is still just, you know, sitting there in shambles, whatever. So yeah, I, I, I don't know. I really don't know. It's it's apparently nothing that was important enough to bring up in game, so there's no really story anything about it. Uh, anyway, their third question can anyone except Renai fly the Vindicar? Sylvanas, for example. We've never seen anyone but the Renai fly it. That doesn't mean they're the only ones who can, but I mean... It's their it does technology is that... the yeah. thing. <laughs> it's, it's not, maybe it's not so simple as can only the Draenei fly it so much as the Draenei have not told anyone else how to fly it. And who knows and, how um, good the Draenei are at flying anyway, because the whole thing with the Exodar... <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, they were flying the Exodar. Now, keep in mind that they did have blood elves that were sabotaging the ship's engines and all that other stuff. That, but still, yeah, their, their track point, record with ships is not. Hey, the the the, the, the Vindicar itself has not crashed yet. No. Uh, I'm just going to say this much. I think it's more along the lines of if you if you don't have a Naru to hand, the the only people who really understand this technology are the Draenei. And yeah, because it's Naru technology. These ships are all Naru yeah. technology. These were Naru ships. The Draenei have been um, taught, but yeah, maybe maybe Turalyon could fly it because he joined the Lightforge. There is one other thing to keep in mind. This, mm-hmm. this has been stated numerous times. The Exodar is a living thing. Yeah, the Exodar has a will. It it does it did the things it did because it wanted to. The Vindicar also has a will it's a, it's a being i mean granted we haven't heard much from it but it's not just a mindless thing that does what it's told it does what it does because it wants to maybe they haven't used the big gun on the vindicar because the vindicar itself is like oh no i'm not going anywhere near that planet i know what happens to ships when you guys fly them towards planets they no, i've we're seen it up here i've seen what's happened it's the genitor the Zenidar, look at the exodar no i'm not all your ships i'm crash, out man. i'm just cool. gonna stay here up here in orbit we're good yeah <laughs> this is fine this is fine so possibly that's it but it, possibly just as possibly if sylvanas shows up and wants to fly it it would say no i mean the whole reason tempest keep didn't go anywhere was because kael couldn't make it go anywhere like it didn't 
he, he didn't want to travel, so he didn't. Like he 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 had plans for it. He couldn't find but, the start button. <laughs> yeah, he couldn't make it fly. Like why at no go? You know, so I don't think the Vindicar is going to be flying anywhere for anybody but the Draenei, and specifically the Lightforged Draenei, who seem to be of it, it seems to have adopted them. I'm sure Velen could get it to go somewhere if he really wanted to as well. And but yeah, Velen could. I mean, well, Velen. I mean, the Vindicar. Keep in mind that the Vindicar. The Draenei on Azeroth built it. Yep. Like you it, first access it through the Exodar. They they built it. They put it together. They're the ones who know the technology. I so, can't remember the name of the Artificer guy. Oh, bloody heck. Rummel? Thank you. The one who's like, he's the one, he, he goes tell him to, to begin procedures. Like yeah. at, at the end of the Velen, the Velen uh, scenario. Yeah. He's the one who goes, you know, tell him to begin preparations. So We're that guy home. built it. Yeah. Yeah. Um... I I just I don't think that anybody else would have like that scope of knowledge of the technology and like I said the only reason I say Teralion is because Teralion was with the Lightforged for a thousand years so maybe he picked up some engineering in that time it's not beyond the realm of possibility but I don't I I think that gnomes or goblins would have to study these things forever to even begin to understand what makes them work because it's not just a matter of gears and bolts and things like that these are like living crystal creations that we don't really comprehend so yeah Yeah. i don't i don't think anybody's going to be able to like you know hop on one and take off with it especially sylvanas it's just hot wire (laughs) really (laughs) i'm just like i'm just picturing sylvanas jumping in and going under the hood get in losers we're going shopping or whatever (laughs) <laughs> it's not gonna work <laughs> that's that's so far out of her area of expertise that no no i don't think there's any way um do we have time for one more email or should we wrap it up huh we can do one more I think. okay all right we have one here from alessander who says of the many forgotten sentient races on azeroth centaurs hosen and furbolgs are the most known but there's also giants and those guys in the swamp by the sunken temple and the short guys in oldham and pandaria where are they from where do they fit in history uh well the guys you're talking about in the swamp those are actually draenei they're the uh the forgotten the lost is he talking about those or is he talking about the swamp guys uh I don't know of any other guys in the Swamp of Sorrows besides those guys. Oh, yeah. Like, okay. I guess those... there are the lost ones. Yeah. I keep thinking of the ones that look like trees. You know what I mean? But they're not because they're like swamp beasts or whatever. Oh, the oh the moundy guys. Yeah. Yeah, the, those weird swampy elementals. Those guys aren't unique to the Sunken Temple. Those guys, yeah, I know those guys. But are. they're they, in they, the they have those up in Darkshire. But yeah. Yeah. I assumed you meant, I assumed you meant the lost ones. The, the well, the Jedi. lost ones, yeah. The, the... lost ones are Jedi that were kind of fried yeah Um, they're they're like a step down from the they were broken mutated ones yeah Yeah, broken then the lost ones yeah they were broken they were broken that went beyond what the broken went through because i mean you look at nabundu and the other the other broken and the ones that were like up on argus and they're very they're still very articulate it's just their bodies have changed with the lost ones it's not just the bodies their minds have just been completely fried out and that's why they're and it was there's because actually, of the dark portal really yeah i don't know if there's if it's i think it's still there there was a really great quest where you you go through various things and in the end velen shows up in mm-hmm. the swamp and says no you're not forgotten you're not abandoned 
we, we, you know, yeah, what has happened to you has happened to you, but you're not, you're not cast aside. So there's, there's a nice quest there. So as far but, um, as the giants go, giants have a pretty extensive history, but it's mostly like elemental kind of things. Yeah. There's elementals, there's Titan ones. I mean, there's there's the the old war of the Titans. And the Stoneforge the Titan giant giants creations. and all that, yeah. Yeah. There's yeah. there's Titan ones, there's there's elemental ones. There's the breakers. Um we saw them on on both in Burning Crusade and we saw them in uh in Warlords, the the breakers and the what were the ones? The breakers and the primals? Yeah. And yeah, the breakers are the only ones left in when you go to uh Burning Crusade. Well that's on Dragon, yeah. Yeah, the only ones left. On Azeroth, though, it's all kind of derivatives. Yeah, it's all either you've got, big elemental dudes or titan. Uh, yeah, you've got ones. the rock giants, you've got the sea giants, the ones that like fart the bubble and then pop it, and it's really funny. Anyway, you got those guys. There's, they're all kind of giants. Ele- yeah, and and then the the fire ones. They're all, they're basically elemental based, so they're elemental creatures. Um, yeah, who are kind of in, either shaped by or kind of co co-opted by the titans the ones that are kind of interesting though are the ones that are in um gelneus that are just like flesh and bone the two head ones the ettons yeah the etton yeah those guys are these guys seem to be like like... were they a derivative of ogres or because the ogres didn't show up until the dark portal did so where did these guys come from you know what i mean i i think they're actually supposed to be related to like the uh the ogres and not just the ogres but like that whole line of descent that leads up to the Gron and the, the Magaron and all those guys. So did guys. they come through with the Dark Portal? I don't know. I mean, that seems to be the case, but if they did, you know, what are they, how come they're just they're in Gilneas? Like well, that's that's why they're kind of like an anomaly to me, because they exist in Gilneas, and Gilneas was sealed away behind the wall, but that was after the Second War, so technically speaking, I guess some could have gotten through. Yeah, there's some up weird. in the Twilight <laughs> Highlands as well. Yeah. So did they like? Did they like come with the horde and some what got into Gilneas? And some... You know that one's yeah. like a There's weird a little mystery. And it's always been kind of a weird little mystery. Uh, as far as the little guys in Oldham and Pandaria, the ones in Pandaria, I think they're talking about the um, the Grummels. And... The ones in Pandaria, the Grummels. If, you, if you're talking about the ones in uh, Oldham, those are the pygmies. The pygmies. The pygmies are speculated to be the people that got turned into goblins by. Uh, by uh, Mimiron when yeah. he's using the uh, the first experiments with the stuff that we now know as Kajamite. Uh that's supposed to be where goblins come from. Like they were the pygmies are there. It's are speculated anyway. From, yeah. They're speculated to be the descendants from the ancestors. Grummels are actually trogs. Yeah. Uh the Grummels were actually trogs who were experimented on by the Mogu of all people. The Mogu they were doing all kinds of stuff. Yeah, the Mogu with... were doing a lot of flesh shaping and so forth when they were trying saw to that with get the rid Sorok. of the of flesh. Yeah, Sorok were created by them like wholesale. Yeah, they took the Grum, they took the uh, Grummel ancestors who were Trogs and said, "No, we don't like what you are, but we can make something out of you that's useful to us." So they did, and that's why the Grummels are like really good pack bearers and really you know good at finding things and so forth. They they were shaped by the uh, Mogu to be as they are. Before the Mogu went super nuts, I think. Was yeah, it before I mean, they went they super were... super nuts. I mean, they were always before, kind of a little nuts, but... I think it's before the Thunder King uh, pulled, you know, Rodin's heart out and decided yeah. he was going to be in charge of everything. But, I mean, keep in mind that the Mogu... The Mogu were always extremely orderly above all things. 
Like, even for Titan Forge, they were the ones who were like, look, just tell us what you want us to do. They were putting and things they, together. They were following they, orders and putting things together. When they didn't get any orders, they went, they started to lose it. And that's when Raden went to find Raden. Not Raden, sorry. Li Shen went to find Raden and was like, you got to tell us. We're all waiting here. We've been waiting for you to tell us what to do this whole time. You have to talk to us. And he was like, no, there's no point. The Titans are dead. Uh, and so he ripped Rodin's heart out. Rodin didn't see it coming because he's like, everything's pointless. Uh, why would you fight me? Because I, I don't believe you. He kind of assumed his power. And said, okay, if you won't tell us what to do, I'll tell us what to do. Which is understandable. But, you know, without the guiding philosophy behind it, his order was just, you know, I'm doing this for my own power. So it went from, here's our purpose, let's fulfill it, to your purpose is now just to do whatever I say. And I think it kind of devolved, too. And it devolved from that prime directive that they had, because that prime directive yeah, was didn't know what much, it was anymore. They were ordering. they were ordering that particular portion of the world and, like, setting things right and, you know, doing the usual Titan kind of design stuff. And then when they stopped getting orders, it's almost like they were trying to carry out those orders as best as they could but since they didn't have any direction yeah it's like you you don't have somebody there to tell you why you're what you're doing who knows why anymore yeah um and instead of these really perfect ceramic dishes you were getting you know the clay ashtray that you make in third grade (laughs) that just doesn't look great you know what i mean but you put in your best effort I find myself wondering how much of this is the fact that Li Shen just couldn't contain what he absorbed. I don't know. I mean, because he pulled out Rodan's heart. And Rodan yeah. was a Titan Forged, like one of the keepers directly created by the Pantheon and who had actually experienced having a piece of the Pantheon inside himself, which he removed, um, which might be how uh, Amatul got out in the first place. It might be Rodan's fault. Um, but because of that experience, it might have just been too much for Li Shen to, to take in, and he couldn't understand it. Um, even when, when Rathion tried, Rathion couldn't process it. Oh, like, he, he went a little bit Lulu, yeah. And then yeah. he kind of forgot a lot of it. I mean, he remembered I think that some was of a it, defense but... mechanism. I think that was him forgetting it because it would have killed him. Yeah. I think, you know, he was like, oh, I can't. And I think nope. the only reason that Rathion was able to comprehend as much as he did was because of how we created him. We used yeah, Titan and... technology to basically, we, we basically Titan forged a dragon. Yeah, that makes sense. That is that is in fact what we did. We took multiple dragon eggs and we made one egg out of them using Titan technology. And I think that's the only reason he didn't like his brain didn't just you know or whatever. Anyway, so yeah, there is history. There's history behind all of these races. Um, some is more in depth than others. If you haven't read the Warcraft Chronicle books, it covers a lot of that. Like, there's a lot of just you know incidental lore and things like that that's covered in there in passing and those are definitely worth a read mm-hmm. yep but i think right. that's going to go ahead and wrap us up for emails though so we're going to go ahead and wrap up the show here blizzard watch it's made possible due to the generous contributions at patreon.com slash blizzard watch and your continued support means that this podcast site and community is able to thrive and grow blizzard watch supporters enjoy exclusive benefits like early access to the podcast a better chance at having your question answered on our podcast or the queue and an ads free site experience thank you very much Ian. again guys if you have an email for the show please send it to podcast at blizzardwatch.com with the subject line podcast of blizzard watch so we know it's for the show 
Well, guys, this is the end of this show. It's been the Blizzard Watch Podcast. We're really very, very glad you guys come back to be with us every week. And we'll be here next week. 